It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Better Faster Podcast. Today, Brandon and I are talking about exercise considerations during pregnancy and postpartum as you return to activity. This is a really cool topic and something that we're diving into a little bit deeper. I think you're going to find a lot of great info here. If you haven't already, please take a minute and go on to iTunes. Leave us a review. We really appreciate it if you go on there. We're getting close to the 100, and that's our goal. Uh, if you could, take 30, 30 seconds, go on there, leave us a five-star review. It's also a great place to leave a question or a comment or something you want us to talk about in a future episode. So again, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right. In this episode, Josh and I are going to be talking about training considerations during pregnancy. So actually prenatal and some considerations for postpartum athletes. And Josh, I know this is a really relevant topic to you because you're getting a good bit of exposure with this in your clinical rotation. Um, there's a program that I believe you and your CI are setting up with the local gym work with postpartum athletes. So that's, that's pretty cool because I think you're going to be a lot more up to date on this than I am. But I know that when I think about fitness and pregnancy, it conjures up this memory I have like six years ago is my very first week in the CrossFit box. And there was an athlete and she was either in her second or third trimester and she was just stringing together some muscle ups on the rings. And one of the coaches was, he ran over there and he was just on her case about it. And in hindsight, you know, he was trying to mitigate risks, right? Because he was worried about her falling off the rings and getting hurt and hurting her baby and that kind of thing. But I think that might be a good start to the conversation. Um, so based on your, your experience and your exposure to pregnant athletes, you know, what are some of the big aspects of, of safety, some big picture things that we should be thinking about? And, you know, that could even be as simple as should an athlete who's pregnant train? Because that is actually a common question that we get. Yeah, I think the answer to that one is yes. There should be obviously that you yes. I think there's no uh, there's not really much of a question there. Obviously, there are uh, you know every pregnancy is different, and every um, you know person going through that is experiencing things differently. And so I I would say each case is you know is definitely a case by case situation. But in general, we definitely advocate training during pregnancy. We think it's extremely you know beneficial. It's healthy. There's not a problem with it. Um, I think like you mentioned. Uh, one of the biggest things is uh, the is mitigating risk, right? Risk reverse reward. There are a lot of ways to get fit and stay fit. 
right? And, you know, it is awesome to maintain a lot of those higher skills and, and things like that um, throughout. But uh, we also have to think about, uh, you know, the, the risk versus rewards I mentioned. So I think that was the whole scenario of what that case that you were talking about is it was like, okay, well, we want to maintain our fitness, but going up on gymnastics rings that far into pregnancy might not have been the best option. I think that, you know, when I am working with somebody who is pregnant and still trying to train, that's something I consider, right? So I'm removing um, potential risk factors as much as I can, right? Because there are plenty of ways to get fit without doing certain specific movements. No movement has to be in every training program. So for me, it's about figuring out, okay, well, what things do I need to maybe pull out? What other things can I add in or put in place of it? How do I continue to allow this person to progress? and stay, you know, and stay fit and maintain their fitness throughout this process, but also reduce as much risk as I can. Sure. And with that too, a general rule, not the gospel is that we, we usually don't recommend that someone start something brand new, especially something that requires a lot of skill, like a lot of movements in CrossFit when they're pregnant, right? Doesn't make a lot of sense. There's some risk involved with that. There's things that you might not even consider um, based on the fact that as that baby's rapidly growing, I mean, just the person's center of mass changes a little bit and that changes right. everything, the way that they walk, the way they move, the way that things feel. So it's something to keep in mind too. And so with that, you mentioned gymnastics movements, obviously we're not going to be doing burpees. We're not going to be, um, probably not going to be doing box, box, maybe it depends on the person. Um, again, what your what your um, Right. Risk tolerance is and the height of the box too, you know, and right. I, we, you know, it's, it, again, it's just uh, a lot of this, I don't want to say it's all common sense, but some of it should start to make sense in that the higher we're trying to jump up onto a box or the higher off the ground we are, that just poses uh, you know, an increase in risk, right? So it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, that's the whole point of it there. So it's not that box jumps are inherently bad, but you know, I'm also try- not trying to maybe do, you know, box jumps on the 30 inch box necessarily. Uh, maybe I'm backing it down a little bit to something that's a little bit more manageable, um, or maybe I'm moving sure. to more of a step up very there's a lot of different ways. Yeah. I'm thinking as a gym owner, I'm going to be like, you're doing step ups. I'm yeah. not taking any chances with you, but um, right, right, yeah. a question I have too, though, is, and cause I don't really have a whole lot of experience with, but with bar path, right? So I've, I've, I don't have any experience coaching a person who's pregnant, you know, second or third trimester on how to do Olympic lifts. So I could imagine that that can make things pretty complicated, just change movement entirely. How do you approach that? Yeah, it, it definitely can make things difficult, right? And I think we we continue to do Olympic lifting for a while during during pregnancy. If the person is already doing it, as you mentioned, it wants to continue doing it. But uh, it definitely affects um, bar path and technique. And so, I, I, you know, we're not necessarily trying to load it significantly because why, why would we want to really ingrain a movement pattern that's not necessarily ideal and that also we're going to have to unlearn or relearn you know, postpartum, right? So we're not necessarily trying to, you know, load that up. So if someone enjoys the Olympic lifts and wants to continue doing them, we might, will continue doing them. Um, I think that there's not necessarily a problem with that again, because, you know, if you're, if you're coached correctly, you're, you're avoiding, you're, you're changing your bar path to accommodate the, the, uh, you know, little person that is now in front of you, that's kind of, you know, in the way of that direct bar path. So, um, we're definitely accommodating that, but I tend to reduce that volume a little bit. Um, and I, I, you know, moving to other, other variations, things like that. And, you know, again, cause I'm not, why I'm not going to load it up one and I'm probably not, I don't want them to, you know, that to become their new normal. So, um, you know, we're going to do a little bit of it, but, uh, the big thing is honestly, it's difficult sometimes to relearn it afterwards. Once, you know, you're getting back into things because, you know, you've just spent, you know, nine months adjusting this bar path and now all of a sudden we're trying to work back. So, uh, you know, for me, I, I do end up modifying volume there a little bit and I definitely don't push loading usually. So 
it seems like a common sense thing, right? The athletes goals need to change, right? They're in this period. We're not trying to win a competition. We're trying to just maintain fitness, optimize the health of that developing baby, right? There's all Mm -hmm. kinds of studies that show that moms who exercise, their babies have better motor learning and, you know, possibly higher intelligence, so on and so forth, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So in summary, yes, we need to exercise. We need to use some common sense. And if not, get, make sure you get with a good coach or have someone in your network that can kind of help you along with that. Yeah. And just because it's not a really, really hard, you know, soul crushing CrossFit wad does not mean that you can't get some good training in, right? It's just, like you mentioned, your, your goals are are changed a little bit during this time. And, and so the programming or the training that you're doing needs to match that, right? There can still be a, a, you know, really, um, you know, well-structured resistance training paired with good, you know, solid aerobic work, things that are, that are beneficial for you. Um, that you can make a lot of, you know, a lot of gains to your fitness or maintain a lot of fitness. Um, it's just not necessarily going to be 21, 15, nine thrusters and pull-ups anymore. Um, and so it's, it's just, you know, it, once that's kind of, you know, that mindset's changed and, and adapted, you can still make a lot of good progress, have a lot of fun in the gym during this time too. So it's not like all is lost. Um, so, you know, and you can continue a very solid progression and a well thought out program all the way up in, until birth, man. I mean, we've had people in, in the gym who have like worked out the day before and, and you know, and given birth the next day, you know? Uh, so it can be, um, it can be something that can last the, the entirety of your pregnancy. Again, each case is a little bit different. So I'm not going to say that everyone needs to do mm-hmm. that, but um, it's definitely something that can still be very worthwhile and very beneficial. It just needs to be structured appropriately. Yeah, absolutely. It needs to be structured. It needs to be in line with your doctor's orders are too, because there are all kinds of complications that happen. You know, for example, my wife yep. had anemia prior to, right. And, yep. you know, we did not need to go into, into preterm labor. So exercise was actually uh, contraindicated for her. Right. Um, but there's also all kinds of, you know, things that we think about that it's common that some pregnant athletes might develop back pain, might develop some type of SI joint pain, that sort of thing. But honestly, in my experience, it seems to be that the the moms and the moms to be that started exercising early in the pregnancy and kept doing it either have less incidents of it or it seems to be less debilitating as time goes along. Right. And that's something definitely I, I do want to keep reiterating. Like every case is a little bit different. And so, uh, you know, if you're, you know, you want to listen to what your physician's telling you. So if they are, if they are telling you certain things are contraindicated and they do or do, or, you know, they want you to do certain things or not, you know, that is their area of expertise. So, you know, you need to listen to it. So um, I do think that, you know, as you mentioned, I, I don't, tend to see people that have a ton of issue, you know, honestly, you know, when they, you know, in terms of like you mentioned back pain or, or anything like that, if they've already been exercising, continue exercising, it does tend to be people who like start to take more time off. It's a, it's kind of funny on how there's like a inverse relationship there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I uh, it, it's not easy. <laughs> it's just, no, I'm not no, going to say not it's all. easy for, yeah. for pregnant moms just to continue exercising because it is, it's completely exhausting. You know, I can't relate to it obviously, but, um, but yeah, each case is different. And if you can, you know, it's probably going to be of benefit to you and, and the baby for sure. Right. And, so. the, and again, literature doesn't show that you need a ton of exercise. It's not like you, if you were training two hours a day prior to, to beginning this process, you need to continue training two hours a day. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking about, you know, you know, 
a, a smaller amount of time is, is still very, very beneficial. So yes, the fatigue that comes with it, all those other things that I can only imagine, um, you know, that, that is, is definitely plays a role. And so it is also listening to your body as well and figuring out what is the right balance for you. And that's one reason, again, another shout out for individual design, like each person, each pregnancy, everything is going to be unique and going to be different. So like, it's about finding the right balance for that individual and, and helping them, you know, to, you know, throughout that entire process. And then it can end up being, a, a, you know, a really uh, beneficial part of the whole process. Right. And some of those old school antiquated beliefs that pregnant women should not push, pull, squat, hinge, carry are, are false. You can do all those within reason mm-hmm. and individualize to yourself and so on and so forth. So keep that in yep. mind. As well. All right, man, let's, uh, why don't we move on to probably the, the meat of this episode and we're talking about postpartum, right? right. So yeah. there's, a, there's a lot to unpack with this. And I think that Probably the first thing we need to think about is really asking the right questions, starting right. with, you know, what was the type of delivery? What were you doing while you were pregnant? Um, did, were there any complications that occurred before or, you know, ir- during the delivery or even shortly thereafter? And uh, I, I guess maybe we should maybe start a conversation talking about the type of delivery and how that can vary from presentation and person to person. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think a, a an assessment either by a, a PT or really a pelvic health PT, if possible too, you know, can help you really ensure that you're doing the right things, um, you know, post, you know, postpartum as you're getting back into this. But, it, you know, starting with those questions, the first one being the type of delivery that that does change things, right? Um, a, a, you know, when we talk about, um, you know, a C-section, you know, that's, a, you know, abdominal surgery. There are contraindications and things following that that are different than a vaginal delivery. And so there's also going to be differences in potential issues um, in terms of, uh, you know, tearing or other things when we talk about from, you know, the pelvic floor. So like there's, there's definitely some different considerations, you know, depending on the type of delivery. So that's, that's number one. So again, just like, exercise during pregnancy is so individualized, you know, po- you know, postpartum is, is also very individualized. So uh, it's, it's about, uh, you know, taking each person case by case and, you know, asking these questions and, and getting a good assessment and a good baseline. And one of those first questions, as you mentioned, is, is, um, you know, what type of delivery when we're talking about a, uh, a vaginal delivery return is, um, uh, from what I understand and from my experience, and then also again going through this process of developing this, you know, more of like return to CrossFit course, um, it is a little bit easier typically than the C-section because we're not have you know we don't have the issues involved with the you know basically having a do- abdominal surgery um, from with the with the C-section. There are some other contraindications on things um, as that's healing, uh, and you know from when you know pressing overhead or certain gymnastics movements that go into you know an arch type position or, um, you know, we go even a burpee, there's a bit of it, you know, there's the extension on the press up. And those are all different things that we have to, to acknowledge and be aware of when we're talking about somebody that's post C-section. So um, there's definitely some differences there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, just to elaborate on that too, you know, I think that you, you did mention that the vaginal delivery typically going to have a quicker return. However, and it just makes sense. The baby's got to come through the birth canal they are going to have a higher incidence of having some type of pelvic floor issue, possibly a pelvic floor prolapse. And just kind of by definition, if you think about the pelvic floor as like the sort of like the, the basket uh, that supports the pelvic organ. So that's like the, the uterus, the bladder, the rectum, uh, they essentially become weak and almost, almost loose. And, and those organs can potentially drop. And when we say drop, we're talking about like into the vaginal canal or even, even into the, the, the anus or the rectum. So, um, so that, that can obviously be a very serious complication. And then 
C-section. I mean, that is a major abdominal surgery, right? My wife had one eight weeks ago and when I walked past the curtain, her, her organs were literally sitting on a tray in front of her. So it's a, it's a major, major surgery. And there's a lot to, to recover from that uh, as well too. Um, another thing I just want to talk about too, in terms of assessment questioning, like this is, this is absolutely not my expertise here. And, you know, there are questions that need to be asked about, is there continued incontinence? Is there pain with intercourse, you know, pain, uh, you know, vaginal pain, things like that. And be honest with you, I'm lucky that we have a great pelvic floor therapist on our staff that I'm going to send all those patients to because, you know, I don't, A, I don't really feel the most comfortable diving into those deep conversations because even if the answer is yes, I'm not hundred percent sure how I'm going to necessarily address those as a therapist and B, I mean, I'm a male, right? And I know it's 2019, but, you know, let's be honest, um, you know, most females aren't going to probably feel as comfortable talking to me about this kind of thing as they would a female, especially one that's trained in pelvic floor physical therapy as well, too. So, yeah. Um, other than that, complications like, you know, you mentioned tearing and things that things that could have occurred during pregnancy that you might have had the mom on bed rest, right? You got to consider that's going to be a long-term deconditioning. So just right. basic, basic conditioning might be a big part of their therapy to start with. Yeah, no, I think those are all great, uh, great points. And I think it does speak to having a great network. And if your clinic or where you are doesn't have a pelvic floor PT on staff, it's knowing who in the area you feel comfortable referring people to. And if you're a coach in the area, you, you know, we've always mentioned like every coach should have like the PTs that are in their corner, the ones that they know are trying to keep the person in the gym and try to help that person, you know, work around things, figure out what they can do, not necessarily just what they can't do. And it also should be if you're working with somebody in the CrossFit space, having a good pelvic floor PT, because we know, you know, there are also, you know, people, you know, who are struggling with, you know, we talked about, you know, uh, urination during double unders or impact or things like that, too, mm -hmm. that, that, uh, you know, having somebody that you feel very comfortable with referring to, um, that works in, you know, in the pelvic health space is extremely important. So we're lucky enough to have Tristan on staff, which is awesome. If you don't have someone, I encourage you to try to expand your network a little bit. But, um, yeah, to get kind of back, you know, back on, uh, back on topic there. But I, I definitely wanted to reiterate that from a coaching perspective is you got to have the people that you know, in your area, your your people in your class are going to really appreciate when you have someone good to send them to. So um, I would definitely expand your your network there. I could see where this could potentially be a, a good case for telehealth as well, too. It's if you just don't have someone in your community that's available, um, right. that might not be a bad idea, just so you can kind of get into those deeper conversations. Yeah. Oh man. Well, um, yeah, that's, I think that's, that's awesome. Maybe we should uh, start looking into that. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's uh, the next, uh, the next thing we need to get to, but um, no, uh, you know, I think, you know, if you are somebody who is not necessarily trained in this area, there's still, um, or you don't feel comfortable, you know, you know, doing, you know, really extensive pelvic health examination, there are still certain things you want to look into, um, you know, from a questioning standpoint, but also a physical assessment too. Um, everyone, we talked about, you know, diastasis recti that, you know, having that kind of that splitting of the lineal alba, lineal alba that, that occurs, you know, everyone gets, you know, an element. What's that look like right? just for the listeners who aren't familiar with that term? <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, and talking about your abdominal wall, everyone thinks about, you know, you're talking about your six pack, uh, muscles, your rectus, you know, coming down on both sides there. Um, they're kind of, they come together and they connect, um, with connective tissue in the middle called the linea alba. And that actually splits, you know, during pregnancy and it, um, it can be, you know, fairly extensive, but again, it's, it's different for each person and everyone essentially gets an element of this. Um, you know, ones that persist, we're worried about things like cosmetics long term. Um, but, you know, there are some, some, 
you know, things to consider with that too, when you're talking about how, how wide is the, the, um, is the gap there, but then also what's the feel behind it kind of like as you, as you palpate it, you know, what's kind of the, the feel there. Um, but you know, that's something to, uh, you know, to think about and to consider and to monitor there. So there's something, you know, associated with that as well. Um, it doesn't necessarily equal, you know, abdominal dysfunction and back pain necessarily, but if someone is in back pain, then we're starting to maybe dive into it a little bit. So, um, you know, that's something you want to be assessing as well. Um, you can, you know, there are a few different, um, you know, things you want to be asking about, you mentioned these before, but you're, you want to ask about, um, you know, incontinence, things like that. But another thing too, another, um, uh, kind of unthought of area to ask about too, that, you know, this is a shout out to Christina private and everybody at, Alice, I, I, at ICE that puts this out is, um, you know, postpartum depression, you know, and, and, you know, working, you know, put, you know, there are questionnaires and things like that and questions to ask there too, to kind of see the kind of state of mind the person's in as well. So it's an under, uh, under, you know, utilized or underlooked at area too. Um, for, and we, you know, we talked about working with the postpartum population. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely, man. A lot of good points. And just to continue off uh, that, that what we were talking about in terms of managing this, right. In terms of things we need to think about with more of the physical presentation, I think this kind of goes back to our, our, the saying that principles are few and methods are many. And when it comes to actually treating or, or training someone who is postpartum, we're trying to get them back to return to sport. It's essentially, it comes down to managing intra-abdominal pressure when you break it down. So, you know, it can be a lot like other conditions that we see or other postoperative patients that we treat and that we're going to be managing load, volume, and, and impact, right? Because, you know, impact is basically a sudden increase in intra-abdominal pressure. And it, basically what it comes down to is if someone cannot tolerate or maybe sustain that pressure, it's going to leak. It's going to leak, and then you're going to get stress incontinence, and that can be urinary or fecal. And that's what we need to kind of think about along the way as we're going through the continuum as far as that goes. I mean, you mentioned earlier, right, how many times have you had an athlete tell you that they pee whenever they do box jumps or they pee when they do double unders. Um, mm -hmm. That's, that's essentially a sudden increase in intra-abdominal pressure there. Yeah. Where should we start? Man, that's a, that's a good question. So I have to give, uh, again, some shouts to a couple people here on kind of my, um, my, um, building or in terms of the, my knowledge base here. Uh, and that is, you know, my, obviously my CI Zach, uh, but also, um, Christina and everybody at ICE, they actually have a, a, a postpartum pregnancy and postpartum course within their fitness athlete division. And she's done a, a number of, uh, recent podcasts on their ICE daily show as well. So, um, like I didn't necessarily, um, you know, I haven't taken that course yet, so I'm, I'm getting to learn from Zach Daly on that. Um, but I've, you know, I've listened to all these different podcasts, and she's got some great progressions that she talks about on these podcasts. So there was one um, on uh, returning to weightlifting uh, postpartum. It was ex episode 499. Um, it was, you know, maybe a week or so ago that she put out to uh, kind of prompt this conversation. And it talks about how to progress impact and how to progress your, your breathing from kind of when you get started up until fully return to, to sports, specifically return to, to heavier lifting. Lifting. So, um, you know, when we talk about uh, the breathing potential, uh, the breathing part first, uh, it's talk about having that free breath going, you know, initially, you know, we want to continue breathing, we're not, you know, valsalva-ing, if that's a word, um, initially, we're not taking a big breath in, we're not closing the glottis, trying to increase pressure there, we're actually free breathing throughout, right? And then, you know, there's a process that she talks about there, and, and you know, about creating, you know, reflexive pelvic floor contraction through um, proper exhaling at certain times, and then eventually closing your glottis without valsalva 
Valsalva ing. There's that word again. And then eventually moving back into like a Valsalva maneuver. Um, and then on top of that, adding in a belt like a Valsalva with a belt increases pressure even more. So there's, it's all about this continuum. And the biggest thing she talks about a lot is, is figuring out where your threshold is. So if there's a, a point at which you, your, your symptoms increase and you know, okay, we've reached that threshold. We need to back it off. We know exactly what we can do. Um, we need to have that reassurance that I'm okay. I can still train. I can do this. I just need to pull back a little bit to one of these um, earlier points on this progression. And the same thing happens from a lifting perspective. She talks about how she takes people from, you know, a snatch specifically saying like seated strict press in a snatch grip from behind the neck to start just to start getting into that, that position and then moving into like muscle variations and then, you know, no feet variations, meaning that you're not necessarily adjusting your feet. So you're reducing the impact and then power variations for four full variations. So I highly encourage you to go and listen to that episode specifically. Um, and then also, um, you know, if you really want to work with this population type deeper, they have it in that eight week online course. Um, I would say dive into that a little bit more because she goes into so much more detail than, than even what I'm, I'm elaborating on now, but essentially there should be a progression and our progression is to basically increase impact and increase pressure over time. Right. And our indicator that the person can handle it is basically, is there an increase in symptoms there? You know, are we having an increase in leakage or we having any, you know, heaviness or anything like that that's happening? Um, or, you know, are we okay? And then if we're getting those symptoms, that's okay. We've just reached our threshold. We need to pull back a little bit and then expand and then, you know, stay there for a little bit and then progress after that. Wow. That's a lot to unpack there. I wish I would have listened to that episode before we started recording this. So let me just recap real, real quick. So based on the progressions, Again, it, it can be a lot like other types of, of post-op or, or other types of conditions that we treat. So it sounds like we're going to start with something, maybe some groundwork, maybe some breathing, right? We got to kind of nail it out of breathing, talk about how to do that in terms of managing intra-abdominal pressure. Then we're going to introduce load in a strict environment, maybe start to take some of the more advanced movements and break them down into parts. And eventually we're going to be going into, um, into impact. That's going to be sort of our, our terminal task. But you also mentioned, I thought it was really interesting that you mentioned that, you know, as far as I'm concerned, she's, you know, the, the, the expert um, in the States. Is she, is she, is she Canadian? She's in Canada. Yeah. Okay. All right. But the, uh, the cool thing is she's actually, yeah, the cool thing is she's actually gone through this. She's going through this herself. I believe cool. she's maybe 12 weeks postpartum herself and is a higher level Olympic weightlifter. So it's kind of, she really is speaking from experience. Yeah. So, and, and so the, the interesting thing with that is that she, Sounds like she said it's okay to Valsalva, right? Because I don't know a ton about pelvic floor, but I do know that there is some belief out there that uh, people should never Valsalva after they've had a baby. So I'm, in, I'm interested to hear kind of, I'll be curious to see what the timeline would be on that. Like we're talking like what, three months, six months, maybe that sort of thing. Uh, that That's very, very interesting. And that's encouraging for anyone listening that because obviously, you know, you, we know we're going to train at a high level. We're going to lift right. heavy. We're, we're safe we're going to be safe as Valsalva. We have to create that spinal stiffness whenever we do our big lifts and that kind of thing too. So that's uh, very interesting. Yeah. And also the last thing that you mentioned, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say the, um, you know, again, I don't, I, I, think people should, uh, you know, go and listen to her talk about it because she'll be able to elaborate on it more. But if you think about, look at, you know, my thing is look at the CrossFit Games, look at Masters weightlifting, look at how many of those amazingly strong women are valsalving and lifting a lot of weight without any symptoms that have all had children, you know? Yeah, and, and so it's like, there, there's a plenty of examples of people who are able to do it. I think the, the goal is really establishing an appropriate progression to get the person there because mm -hmm. you're right. If that is introduced maybe too early and we're, in, we're creating too much pressure early on, maybe we do exactly 
exacerbate those symptoms. Um, and that would, um, you know, that could potentially, you know, cause an issue. So um, I think that the biggest thing is that, and you know, I, I hate to ever live in absolute and say never, never to anything, right? Um, so I think the biggest thing is making sure you, you, you know, work appropriately to build back to it. But, you know, I, I, and there's a lot of really strong moms in the, in those two sports specifically and other ones too, that I know they're not worried about their Valsalva. Sure. Yeah. I, and I knew, I know, I mean, I know those games athletes that have had children before too, but the, the last thing that you had said kind of in that, that summary too, is that you mentioned that symptoms aren't necessarily bad, right? They can almost be what diagnostic in a way. So it just kind of goes to show you that even at the highest level of this profession, a lot of it's all experimental. And you need to know what to do whenever this kind of situation happens. You know, I, I assume it's going to be to back off a little bit and then progress past that point when it's appropriate and keep going as far as that's concerned. So that's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's um, one of the things too, is in this population, from what I understand, the um, sometimes it can be difficult when, you know, on this way back, if you're experiencing symptoms and things like that. And a lot of it's just reassurance that like, Hey, some of this stuff is going to happen. And it's, you know, about showing us where we are and what we can tolerate. And then we want to operate within, uh, you know, a level of what we can tolerate and then progress just like we would any other program. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, a big thing is finding, you know, a coach or, or a, you know, a clinician or someone in your area that can help you progress these things. So uh, as you mentioned, you know, I'm, we're putting together a course for, for CrossFitters um, that are people that are trying to return to CrossFit return to lifting in the Charlotte area. Um, that will be at, at, um, at Iron Drive uh, in CrossFit. So if anybody uh, is in the, in the Charlotte area in the next few months that wants to get on board with that and they're, they're trying to, uh, to return to lifting postpartum, you know, reach out to me and we can, you know, maybe find a way for you to hop into this class. Um, but, you know, that's something that, you know, it's, it really is, you know, a little bit of a science and a balance, right? And it's about mm -hmm. finding the right balance for you. And that's why I really think it's about, you know, having an individual approach, monitoring where you are with a good assessment beforehand, you know, monitoring symptoms throughout, you know, going through a structured progression. So that way you can really get back to those things that you want to get back to. Oh yeah. I can totally see why that would be needed versus just trying to wing it. I yeah, think you could yeah. get incredibly frustrated and honestly be suffering with some symptoms for years if you don't do it the right way from the get-go yeah i think you can make so you know like like we mentioned there are some really really strong moms that have been making you know lifting some crazy weights out there and and one of those things that you know it's when i hear things like oh you'll never be able to valsalva again it kind of makes me shake my head because i don't think mm -hmm. we should ever live in absolutes anyway but also we don't want to instill that that fear in anyone it's like oh man you gotta be worried about ever holding your breath again it's like no like right. it's you know we just need to progress just like anything else this is just another thing that has a, a logical progression that we can follow to get you back to where you want to go boom yeah well that was good man that's uh, yeah. uh i learned a lot doing this episode tonight well, yeah and i'd say like it has been a crash course for me and because i don't necessarily have a ton of personal experience working with um, you know pregnant and postpartum women women so um having this opportunity to really start building out this course with zach and and getting yeah. to learn from christina and the, the um, those individuals that you know i highly recommend if you enjoy working with this population or you want to you know learn more in this area you know they have some great resources out there and it's going to help you feel so much more confident when someone comes to you and they're you know six weeks you know uh, post delivery uh, so mm -hmm. I, I definitely think you should look up their those resources and 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 then again reassure the person like they they're going to get back right this is just uh, you know something that they have to go you know they have to go through and and you know you're going to be there every step of the way with them and so a lot of it's just that encouragement and, and that reinforcement that hey like we can get through this we're going to find a plan and we're going to make it happen absolutely Alex. if you haven't already be sure to head on over to itunes and subscribe to the podcast that way you can leave us a five-star review 
Hope you all enjoy your week. We will be back next Monday. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.